Like I said last week, we were going to just do a few weeks on love. And so we talked about that love was the fulfillment of the law, that love was, you know, the pinnacle of Christian living, that it says that love is the bond of perfection. So literally as we look at perfection, we look at completeness, that's what it means, not, nothing lacking, total completeness, and we look at that completeness that Jesus had, like we talked about last week, we understand that Jesus' completeness, Jesus' sinlessness, Jesus' triumph over everything was all based on the fact that he had perfected love. He had the love of God inside his heart. We talked about how God had showed me that people do that question on, you know, Jesus was totally man, he was totally God, could he have sinned, could he not have sinned? And what came to me was the fact that Jesus was totally man, so there was opportunity for sin but because his heart was perfect in love, he perfectly loved God, he perfectly loved us, that's why he came to do what he did, that there was no opportunity for sin in him. And it wasn't because Jesus couldn't choose to sin. He could have chose to sin, but he never would have chose it because his heart was perfect. And that's what God recreates a new heart in us. That's why God wants us to walk in his love to that same degree. And like I said, it's just a perfect motivation. When your motivation is love, then there's no selfishness in you. Then there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing for the enemy to play off if your motivation is love and if your love has been perfected. The Bible says that, we're supposed to, that God wants to perfect our love. And so when we see, when we see this, we're going to talk about how when Jesus was baptized, we talked about it a little bit, but Jesus was baptized and the clouds opened up and the voice came down from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and then he goes into the wilderness to be tempted and we see that the enemy, the first thing he says to him is, if you be the son of God, he leaves out beloved. He's trying to separate Jesus from that beloved status because the enemy understands when we when we're separated from God's love when we don't feel that God loves us that we're not worthy of the love or whatever it is when we're separated from that love what happens to us is we have no expectation of God why would God rescue me why would God give anything to me why would God heal my heart why would God do all this stuff if God doesn't love you I mean, obviously, you don't think, you know, if you have an enemy in this life, guess what? You don't think that person's going to do good things for you. But you do expect someone that loves you to do good things for you. And so that same thing becomes true in us. That's why the Bible says that faith works by love. Or faith works through love. And so we see that Jesus, like I said, when he was baptized, and in Luke 3, 21 through 22, we'll just go right there. It says, when all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, and, and which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And as we talked about, Jesus' obedience to be baptized by John the Baptist wasn't remission of sin. He had no sin to be remitted of. But he did it in obedience to the Father. I mean, John, even in another gospel, it talks about John saying, no, you should baptize me. And he said, let it be done. Let the will of God be done is what he's saying. And so Jesus did this because this is the first, this is like 
the first big step into his ministry, but really this is the first big step into Jesus becoming, taking our place. Guess what? We all had to be saved. We all had to be baptized in. So Jesus is becoming the head of the human race right here by doing what we were all going to have to do. And it becomes this perfect picture of salvation even in our lives because just like Jesus, we're drawn to repentance and just like Jesus, we're drawn to it because of love. The clouds opened up and it said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so many of us feel that love when we come to salvation. When we, when we truly give our hearts to God, it's because we know he loves us and he forgives us. And when that happens, we feel the love of God. But the problem is a lot of us don't understand. Jesus fills this love, the voice from heaven. But what happens immediately after that? He's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where the enemy leaves out the love. And that's exactly what happens is us. The enemy, instantly after you're saved, he's going to bring anything and everything to get you away from understanding how much God loves you. All of us, if I asked every single person in here, does God love you? Everyone would say yes. But to the, de to the degree that you understand that love is to the degree that you're going to receive what this loving Father's giving to you. Like I said last week, if Owen, if I give Owen presents, but he doesn't, he's not confident that, confident that I love him, and you know, he might think in his head, hey, there's a snake or there's a bear in this package, so he's not going to open up any of the packages because he doesn't know, he's not confident that what I'm giving him is good. Well, the same thing's true for us. When the enemy separates us from that love and we're not confident that everything that God gives us, he freely gives us and we can receive and we can take and we can have the peace and the forgiveness and the sinlessness and the freedom from sin and all these things that he gives us freely, if we're not confident in that love, we're not going to receive them. And so we see that, that the enemy had, the enemy tries to separate us from that love. And in Luke 4, 1 through 3, we're just going to go to those verses. It says, When Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when he, when he had ended, he had ended his fasting, he was hungry, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these, you know, command these stones to be made bread. But the point is, the enemy leaves out the love on purpose. He's trying to separate Jesus from love. Because like I said, faith works by love. If you're confident in love, then you can step out in faith. Just like if your kid's confident that you love him, he can jump from a tree into your arms because he expects you to catch him because there's that love bond there. Now, a perfect stranger, he might not expect perfect weirdo stranger that walks up and says, hey, jump from a tree. He's not going to jump from the tree, or he shouldn't jump from the tree. You should teach your kids stranger danger stuff. But the same thing is true. You're going to jump. You're going to walk out. You're going to do it when you're totally convinced that that love motivates God to give you everything. And that's the truth of the matter. It does motivate him. And so the devil knew that, that if men doubt the love of God, 
then it's easy to get them to rebel against God or, or not do the will of God or not receive things from God. So that brings us to the fact that the truth about love is that we're never separated from the love of God because God has always poured out his love. But what separates us, what, what makes us not feel that love is deception. Deception is the only thing that's going to separate you from the love of God because the love of God's there all the time. But your reception of the love is determined by whether or not you're deceived or not. And so in Romans 8, 35, and then it's 38 and 38, 38 and 39, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's the truth of what separates you from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. That love's always there. That love is always out towards us. So we understand that God is always loving. But I want you to understand that this verse, though, is talking about the source of love in the sense of God who is always loving. This verse isn't talking about the receiver of love, which is us. We get to choose whether or not we're going to receive it. We get to believe the lie and not receive it, or believe the truth and receive it. So this verse in saying that God's always loving and God's always there, that's fine, and it's true that that love is always there, but if you don't feel it, then to you, it's not there. You know, someone a hundred million miles away from me can love me all they want. If I don't know they exist or I don't believe it, then it doesn't really affect me at all. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me if I don't receive it. So deception changes reception. If you look again at Jesus in the wilderness, you see that the enemy purposely tried. Like I said, he purposely tries. He purposely leaves out that love. And separating Jesus from love would have separated him from his expectation that God had a plan in what he was doing. Because if you look at Jesus at this point, he's in a very vulnerable position. Okay, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. He hasn't drank anything. Another verse says he hasn't drank anything for 40 days. This isn't something like the enemy drove Jesus into the wilderness. The Bible says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. And so Jesus is in a vulnerable position to say, well, yeah, maybe God doesn't love me as much as I think God loves me. I mean, most of us are like, you know, anything goes wrong in our life, and we're like, God, do you even love me? Nevertheless, if we hadn't eaten in 40 days and we're about to die, I'm pretty sure it'd be really easy to convince a lot of us, hey, you know, God maybe doesn't love me that much. I'm in the middle of a desert, and I haven't eaten and drank anything for 40 days. And he's the one who put me here. And so Jesus is in this vulnerable state for the enemy to tempt him and get him separated from that love. I mean, if you look at the Israelites, this is a picture. When Jesus goes in the wilderness for 40 days, it's, there's a reason God chose 40 days. Because it mirrors the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the desert. And it's kind of funny. Jesus 
never doubts that love. Jesus never succumbs to the temptation. The Israelites were like five minutes into the wilderness, and they were like, you brought us out here to die. So they like instantly didn't believe that, like after everything God did for them and all the miracles, like literally a week later, and they're like, you brought us out here to die. You know, where's this God at that you, you know, it's like, that's human nature right there. We're so bound by circumstances and what's going on around us that it totally messes with our perception of God. But we can't associate God's love with never having to go through anything. If we have, if momentary circumstances are hard, we can't let that make us bail on our faith. It's kind of like we go through hard stuff, but God's love is towards us even if emotionally we can't feel it. Jesus at that point in the wilderness, I guarantee you, wasn't emotionally basking in God's love. It wasn't like he didn't feel goosebumps and he wasn't all smiles and he wasn't like, oh man, God loves me so much. If you haven't eaten in 40 days, you're about to die. You're physically about to die. And so Jesus didn't feel the love, but he knew the love. And that's why it's so important to have it concreted in your heart, the love that God has for you. That's what's going to cause your faith to arise. Like love is the foundation on which your faith can stand. Because Jesus came because of God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's why Jesus came to do everything that he did. And so, we have this thinking, though, that becomes like sickly human love, that, that love means you protect someone from all pain. Love means you give someone everything they want. Love means, you know, you're an ultra helicopter mom, and you give your kid a blue ribbon even when they're like 20th place in a race of 20 kids, and you make them feel good about everything, and you really block them out from all pain. Well, God's love's not like that. And real legitimate parenting love shouldn't be like that because those are like millennial snowflakes that can't handle life when they turn 18. That's what that produces is spoiled kids that can't handle life. And so God's not in that business. He's not trying to spoil us. And so we think, if anything goes wrong in my life, oh, God doesn't love me. Well, no, that's not true. He loves you enough to help you through it. But he loves you enough to let you mature through it too. Just like if you separate all consequences and pain of choices from your children, they become spoiled and worthless. That's the same thing would happen to us if God did that for us. If it was all blessings and we never had to walk through any trials, guess what we would be? Really spoiled Christians. But that's not God's love for us because it's a legitimate love. So like I said... God has this bigger eternal destiny to think about too. We think very temporal, we think very earthly, but God has an eternal, des eternal destiny of your soul to worry about. So when we go th through things, hard things, we can't let that convince us that God's not there for us, that God doesn't love us, because God's playing the long game. You know, He wants you perfected for heaven, more than he wants your, you know, life to be, 
rolling in the Mercedes Benz and everything's good and happy all the time. So in Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Or in the King James, it says, Faith works by love, which is, I like that version better. The one time I like the King James version better, but faith works by love. Because understanding the love of God is what makes us have faith in Him. If He didn't love us, what's the point in believing in Him? But He loves us. He gave His Son for us. He did all these things. Jesus showed up on the scene and did good to everyone, healed everyone, delivered everyone, was just amazing. And then he died on the cross. He went through all this pain and then rose from the dead for our victory over our sin, over our death, because death had no claim on him because he was sinless. And he did this all from the motivation of love. And so us understanding that love is what's going to build our faith. It's what's going to make us expect that he's actually going to come through when he says he's going to come through. Like every promise in the Bible, healing, prosperity, salvation, forgiveness, deliverance, like everything in the Bible, if we don't believe God loves us, it's, we'll have no expectation that it's actually going to work. The more we understand the love, the more we are engrossed and totally fulfilled in the love of God, the more faith we will actually have. Like, people try to build faith by all these, you know, memorize all these verses, do all this stuff. That's fine. Memorize verses and understand. And, and there was name it and claim it kind of faith. And all the promises, and we're just going to go after faith, 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 faith. But revelation of love is what builds faith. And that's where a lot of people, that's where a lot of faith message got off. That it was all about faith and putting your faith in the Bible and confessing what you want and all these things, but no one ever got their love perfected. And so you had a bunch of Christians going around claiming all this stuff and then like they were awful to their spouse and they were mean to their coworkers and they were all these crazy things because they never got the idea that the Bible talks way, way, way more about love than it does faith because faith and love are connected. Jesus wants to perfect our faith our love. He wants us to walk in love like he walked in love. And so faith is the hand that receives from God, and love is the expectation that there is something there to reach for. And and that's the truth of it. In Colossians 3.14 it says, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And we talked about that last week, that love does no wrong to its neighbor. Love, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about all these things that love, all the things that love is. And if you actually walked in love like that, I mean, love's perfect. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is all these things. And so we come to this place where if God's love is in us, if we understand that that's the kind of love God has towards us, and that's the kind of love that God wants to come out of us, then 
we understand that love is literally the pinnacle of what we should be reaching towards. Just like we talked about weeks and weeks ago, that it says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And that fact that that pursue means to persecute, to literally go after so hard you're persecuting love. And desire means to have warm feelings towards. And we get that totally opposite. We go after spiritual gifts. We go after the blessing. We go after the prosperity. We go after, you know, healings and miracles and all this stuff with all of our heart. And God's sitting here thinking, no, go after love with all your heart. Because it's the bond of perfection. You want to be perfect as your heavenly, be holy as your heavenly father is holy. Then you're going to have to walk in love like your heavenly father walks in love. And so, like I said, perfection means completeness, nothing lacking. And so love is that bond of perfection. Love is fulfillment of everything we need and everything we want to be. If we want to be like Jesus, then we got to get our love right. If we want to walk pleasing before God then we have to get our love right. It really kind of makes it kind of simple. It takes this like long list of everything that's wrong with us or everything we're weak in or every point of faith that we need to get our faith up in and it makes it real simple. Just love more. I mean, that's literally what is the answer to it. Love God more, you'll trust Him more. Love people more, you'll do, you won't sin against them. You'll be way nicer to them. And so, when we look at Jesus' perfect motivation, and that's why he didn't sin, and we see all this stuff about the fullness of God being in love, then we look at the fullness of God, and we see in Ephesians three fourteen through 19, it says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love not faith not authority not power not not even bible memorization that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Right there. Everything you want out of life. Everything you want out of your character. Everything you want to be. Everything you want to receive from God. The fullness of God is going to be completely determined on your knowledge of love of your understanding of love of your walking in love that's going to determine it all and like I said it makes it real simple it makes it not such like a complicated religious thing to be spiritual you want to be spiritual be loving walk in God's love you want to be a faith giant Understand how much God loves you and you'll be a faith giant. Because when you understand how much He loves you, then you're never going to doubt that what He says He'll give you, He'll give you. Just like your kids know that you love them and if you tell them you're going to get them a bike, you'll get them a bike. That's the exact expectation God wants us to have 
with his promises in his word. And so that fullness, it, it's kind of neat that filled with, it says filled right there. And that word filled means crammed full. That he wants us crammed full of the knowledge of God. The knowledge of the love of God. And so we have this expectation. We have this understanding that we have, we have this really call by God. I mean, what did Jesus say to the disciples? This is the command I leave you. Love your brethren. I mean, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's telling them to love like I loved you. And so it's really important to Jesus. It's really, it should be really important to us. But in 1 John 4.19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. And that kind of brings me to my last point. That if you're not a receiver of God's love, then you're never going to be a giver of it. That it always, it has to start with God. It has to start with you understanding that no matter how ugly you think you are in your heart, it doesn't matter. Jesus still came to die for sinners. I mean, that was the love of God. That he came and died for people that didn't deserve for him to come and die for. But that just shows you the pinnacle of his love. That his love is not about the object of his love. It's, it's kind of, when we love something, it's because it's lovable. Like you fell in love your, with your wife, not because in your eyes she was a hideous, awful person, but because you saw her as something to love. But God's love is completely opposite of that. God's love is so based on it's just his love because he is love that his love changes hideous awfulness into beauty. And in his eyes, it is beauty. And so it's really his love is like what our love should be when we're 80 years old and we are like hideous and old and, and we're no longer, you know, like the beautiful things that we were when we were young, but we still love each other with just like a wholehearted love. That's God's love from the beginning. He totally is in love with us even though we don't even look like something that should be considered lovable but that's his love it's his love it's not about the object of the love it's about the love that's coming out of him it's not whether or not you deserve it does he love you it's that he just loves you and so that should free us up to believe his promises are yes and amen to us to those that believe, those that believe that God loves us, so he will give it. And so, like I said, we have to start with that love that God has for us. We have to understand that. And John 15, 12, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I mean, what a commandment. This, what, I mean, this was his commandment. This was Jesus' commandment. Think of all the things Jesus could have commanded the disciples to do. You know, this is my commandment, that you raise the dead. This is my commandment, that you go out into all the earth and you do all this stuff. This is my commandment, that you make my name famous in all the earth. Like, none of these things were his commandment. His commandment was to love. And so that shows you the pinnacle of Christianity. 
I mean, just like Jesus said, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On, all, on these hang all the law and the prophets, because love is what we were created for. It, he created Adam and said it's not good for him to be alone and made him a helpmate. What that is, is we are not fulfilled except for in a love relationship. And we're supposed to have that love relationship with God and that love relationship with people. And I was talking to Alyssa the other night, and I don't even know if she... I was turned away from her, so I don't even know if she knew I was crying. But it was just... It just became this, like, super deep revelation in my heart as I'm just studying out love that all of my lack, like, all of my failings, like, everything... When I'm short-tempered with my wife, or I'm short-tempered with my kids, or I'm not as giving, or like last night when I didn't change the baby's diaper and woke Alyssa up to do it, like all of these things are a reflection of my unperfected love. Like that's everything I don't do right is really because I don't love right. Because love is selfless. I mean, just read Corinthians 13. If you're hitting on half of those, you're an amazing Christian. I mean, it just should break us to think. I mean, because I don't want to say, I don't love my kids right, and I get frustrated with them. I don't love my wife like I should love my wife. You know, I get frustrated with her or whatever. Or I'm not as giving to her. I don't help her as much as I should help her. Like, I don't want to say that because I love them. But my love's not perfect. And I want that perfect love. Because everything comes back to love. Every, everything we fail in, it all comes back to love. If I sin, it's because I don't love God the right way. If I'm selfish, it's because I don't love others the right way. And that's what we need to understand. That's why love is so important. That's why God, I mean... Seriously, I'm not sure percentage-wise, but there's so much of the New Testament that's just about love. We try to make it about prosperity message or grace message or faith message or all these things or, you know, living a right life or holiness message. We, we try to make it about all these things, but all of that stuff is encapsulated. Everything the Bible says is encapsulated in love. That that is your acid test. That is your litmus test of how good you really are. How well you're really walking in this thing is all based on what's your love like. What's your love like? What is it truly like? Because you can't fake that. You can't fake love. You can't fake, but you can choose it. You can choose to do it because you know what love looks like. It looks like Jesus. It looks how he lived. It looks how he sacrificed his will for the betterment of us, the undeserving. It, it's just love is... If, if you literally didn't do anything else in your Christian walk but loved right, everything else is going to be taken up in that. It's like... I don't know, if you, 
I can't remember who it was. It was one of the British Christians that wrote like Narnia or something like that. It was C.S. Lewis or one of those kind of people wrote, if you aim at earth, you, you get nothing. But if you aim at heaven, you get the earth thrown in. And so that's kind of like love. If you aim at, hey God, perfect my love. Perfect my love for you. Perfect my love forever. Others, just, just make me someone that is just all about love. And guess what you'll get? Everything else thrown into it. Everything else thrown into it. You will get the fulfillment of everything else. Because that's how important love is. I mean, it's the one characteristic that God says he is. Not, I have it. I like to show it once in a while. God is love. And so if we want to be like him, we need to be love. And love is selfish, selfless, selfless. Is not selfish. It is kind. It is all these things we want to be towards people, but in our flesh we can't figure it out. We don't get it. We don't, we can't, you can't do 1 Corinthians 13 on your own. You need God's love first. You have to receive that love first before you can ever give that kind of love. And that becomes the hard thing because we are merit-based people. I go to work and I put in so many hours and that's why I get paid. And so it's really weird to me that God wants to pay me before I've ever done anything. I mean, that's what life is based on is merit. And that's not what Christianity is based on. It's based on his love. It's like he is a boss and he pays you your 40 years of labor up front and he doesn't even care if you show up at work. I mean, that's God. That's how good he is. And that's his love. And so like I said, if we understand that, we'll receive anything from him. We'll, we'll receive it all. And even when we go through hard things, we're never going to doubt him. Why? Because we know that love like Jesus knew that love. And Jesus' commitment to God was based on his love for God and knowing God's love for him. And so he couldn't fail because his love was perfect. And if we want to stop failing, it's all about getting more perfect love. It's all about growing more in that love. You can stand. Yep. Yep. Amen. You can stand. Just thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. Oh, what love the Father has lavished upon us that we would be called the sons and daughters of God. I mean, that's such great love because guess what? We don't deserve to be called sons and daughters of God. If you think you deserve it, you deserve it less than the rest of us. God is so good to us. He's so loving. He is there in the hard times. And the enemy wants desperately for us to disconnect from that love because that love is the bond of perfection. 
That love is our ability to fulfill the law. That love is our ability to fulfill our destinies for God. And so I thank you, Lord Jesus, for a deep revelation of love to begin to flower in our hearts. That we go after love. That we go after love. We don't go after money. We don't go after work. We don't go after relationships. We don't go after all these things the world puts in front of us and says, go after those. But we go after love. And we let you perfect our love. Because we get to choose what you do in our lives. You've given us free will. We can accept you or reject you. It's up to us. And so I thank you, Lord God, for just a confirmation of your Holy Spirit to come. That God wants us to love like he loved and he wants us to receive a fresh, a fresh outpouring of his love in our hearts. Because once we've been touched by the love of God, it's impossible to go back. It's impossible not to want more and want to go deeper into you. So I thank you, Lord God, for that fresh outpouring of your love in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. If anybody needs prayer for anything, I just, if you've never felt the love of God, or you want to walk deeper in the love of God, because I know for me, it literally about broke me when I'm sitting here coming to this realization that in every way that I fail, it's because I'm not loving right. And that's a hard thing to think when you're talking about your wife and your kids and, and the people that you love. That, hey, I'm not loving you right when I'm selfish or when I'm angry or when I'm frustrated or when anything, that I'm not loving you right. That's a hard thing to get a revelation of. But God wants us to come to that revelation because if we don't come to that revelation, we're never going to get our love right. We're always just going to be selfish people that do what we want to do at the expense of our loved ones that we don't love enough, that we don't love with a godly love. So if you want God to move in your heart so that you're able to see that and, and come to this understanding and and realize that God has a perfect love that he wants to lavish upon you and he wants to come through you, then, you know, please come forward and we'll pray with you. But if all hearts are just good, then you can be dismissed.